0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 88. I am your host, Noah Roshetta. And today I'm talking about the concept of radical okayness, or in other words, the idea of getting to know yourself. Keep in mind the Dalai Lama's advice, do not use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. Use it to be a better whatever you already are. Now, I first encountered the expression radical okayness when I was attending uh, the Salt Lake Buddhist Fellowship, a weekly gathering in Salt Lake City run by my friend, Christopher, and he was giving a Dharma talk and he used this concept of radical okayness. And I remember it really stood out to me. I thought it was a really cool expression that um, really gets at the heart of what Buddhism is trying to accomplish in so many of its teachings. You know, we always talk about the the middle way in Buddhism. Uh, and I, I like to think that in, in the middle of, uh, on the spectrum of, wow, life is great, and that's what I'm chasing after, or, oh man, life is really crappy right now, I don't like this. Right in the middle, there's just, okay, life is okay. And what a radical shift it is to go from chasing after the extremes, right? Chasing to get to one extreme or fighting hard to avoid letting that other extreme get close to us. Our habitual mode is to desire more of what we think we want and to feel aversion or to push away that which we think we don't want, but to be okay with things just as they are when, when they're good and when they're bad that to me is the essence of radical okayness radical in the sense that that's not normal most people are caught in the game chasing after one and and fighting off the other but what a radical shift in perspective to be okay and to stop playing that game and just thinking when it's good it's good and i'll enjoy it when it's bad it's fine it doesn't mean i have to like it but uh i can also enjoy it is a very that's a radical thing for me so I want to dig into this a little bit more. There's a very clear message that seems to permeate through many of the Buddha's teachings. That is the importance of getting to know yourself, knowing your own mind. And I want to correlate this with this concept of radical okayness. So the Buddha's teachings are primarily concerned with understanding uh, suffering and the elimination of what we would call self-inflicted or unnecessary suffering and i've mentioned this before in podcast episodes the parable of the two arrows you know a common buddhist teaching meant to help us to understand the nature of what we could say is natural suffering the first arrow uh, versus self-inflicted suffering the suffering that we bring on ourselves which is the second arrow Uh, and the buddha understood that the source of this unnecessary suffering was to be discovered within. So think about this for a moment. What are the things that generally cause us mental anguish or discomfort for you? Specifically, the things that cause you mental anguish or discomfort, perhaps it's the fear of death. That's a big one, uh, likely rooted in the fear of uncertainty, not knowing what, what comes next, uh, the fear of 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 just not knowing or not having control over how life is unfolding you know when we feel uh, anguish or stress or worry or anxiety these are all mental states and they arise in the mind and they reside in the mind while we're experiencing them but this is also how the pleasant mental states work when we're in love or we look up at the night sky and we contemplate the vastness of the cosmos and our smallness in in this place Uh, or you smell a flower or you watch a sunset or you look into the eyes of of your newborn child that you're meeting for the first time you know these are incredibly powerful experiences that all take place in our minds so in this sense pleasure and pain are both experiences of the mind and i don't know about you but for me I cannot think of a, a greater goal than that of getting to know myself. And don't get me wrong. I'm certainly intrigued by the great mysteries of the universe and the cosmos. I'm fascinated by what we know and by, by what we don't know about space and time and the Big Bang and the expansion of the universe and the origins of life and all that. But somehow, as I sit here and I really think and I feel I'm also overwhelmed by a sense of awe and wonder at the fact that my mind can produce thoughts and it can produce feelings, some so intense that I can barely even try to express the experience through words. And then those words, as I speak them aloud and they they get recorded and then transmitted to another mind, in this case, your mind, the listener who right now is connecting with my mind in a way that really alters everything for, for all of us, for both of us. How incredible is that? And all these thoughts and ideas that I share come from the thoughts and ideas that others have shared, that others have had. And they've, they've been shared across space and time for literally thousands of years. And it almost leaves me speechless as I think about it Our mind is the experiencer of each and every moment in our lives. Everything that I think and feel and perceive starts right here in my own mind. And getting to know your own mind not only leads to greater happiness in life, but it literally transforms the chaos and confusion of our habitual reactivity, and it's the key to waking up. To experience that awakened state is the very heart of Buddhist practice. It's really a state of freedom. It's not dependent on any external circumstances. It's anchored entirely on the profound realization that we can be fine with the ups and downs of life, the pleasant and unpleasant experiences and mental states, what we could call a state of radical okayness. Uh, earlier this week, I saw a meme on Facebook for um, a shirt that I thought would be really funny. I, uh, You guys know if you follow me on social media, and I talk about it here, but I, I'm way into paragliding and paramotoring, and paramotoring is essentially just paragliding with a, a motor strapped on your back. But I, I saw a T-shirt that I thought would be really fun, and it, the, it was a T-shirt that says, the world's okayest paramotor pilot. And I thought, man, that's actually quite a goal to have, you know, rather than wanting to be the best paramotor pilot, what does that even mean? I thought, what if I could be the world's okayest paramotor pilot? And then I thought about this in context of other labels that I carry. The world's okayest dad, uh, the world's okayest meditator, and, and others like that. And I really got a, a a kick out of that, just laughing, thinking, that's actually a really profound message when you think about it. And that uh, kind of prompted or inspired this uh, this podcast episode to talk about this concept of okayness, radical okayness. And I think the process of getting to know ourselves starts with the realization that we actually don't really know ourselves very well. You know, we, we think that, uh, you know, we think, we think we know ourselves. We might be thinking, well, yeah, of course I know myself. I know myself better than anyone else. But do you know why you react the way you do about things? Do you know why you feel the way that you feel or believe the things that you believe or don't believe the things that you don't believe? You know, why do things bother you? The things that bother you, why do they bother you? Uh, why are there things that you like and dislike? Why do you like it? Why do you dislike it? You know, just because you know yourself uh, better than or think you know yourself better than others know you doesn't mean you know yourself very well. And I think we need to recognize that our mind is often like a stranger, one that we may see often, uh, we may hear from often when it kicks and screams or has things to say or it wants its opinions heard. But do you really spend quality time trying to develop a friendship with your own mind? Is your mind your friend? Is it a close friend? Uh, You know, those are questions to explore. And I believe that we, we actually don't know ourselves really well. And a big part of that is because we are living in a conceptual world. When I try to understand how my mind works, I understand that I have experiences. Those experiences invoke uh, concepts, stories, and those stories and concepts uh, allow emotions to arise. And in Plato's analogy of the cave, he talks about how what we perceive is not the whole picture. He talks about the situation where people are positioned where f- they're facing a wall and they're stuck that way facing the wall and they see shadows on the wall and they perceive those shadows to be reality. But the truth is that the shadows are not the real thing. And if you've ever done, uh, you know, the, w- when you have a light source and you project a shadow on the wall, have you ever put your hand there and done the, the little animal shapes? You know, I'm only capable of doing one. I can do the dog, which most people can do that one. But imagine looking at that uh, shadow of a dog face um, on the wall. We don't really mistake that as a dog. We understand this is the shadow that uh, looks like a dog. But imagine mistaking that shadow for a dog and then living in a new reality where that shadow is the dog. You know, that's essentially what the Buddha came to realize that we are living in a conceptual world where the stories have become the real thing. And we're all ignorant to the reality that they are not the same thing. And many Buddhist teachings allude to this uh, same concept, this conclusion that the symbol of a thing is not the same as the thing it symbolizes. And I think about this often with, with, with something like the flag. You know, we're really, um, in our country, we're really protective of our flag and what it stands for. You know, and it's interesting to me that when we pledge allegiance, we're pledging allegiance to the flag, not to the thing that it symbolizes. If the flag symbolizes freedom, for example, we're pledging our allegiance to the thing that symbolizes freedom. In the Shurangama Sutra, a Zen story uh, speaks to this. When the Buddha was telling his attendant Ananda, he says, "You still listen to the Dharma." The, think of the Dharma as the teachings, you still listen to the teachings with the conditioned mind, the conceptual mind. And so the teachings become conditioned or conceptualized as well. And you you don't obtain the Dharma nature or Buddha nature, or, or be, you, you're not capable of attaining the state of seeing things as they really are. And it's like when someone points his finger at the moon to show it to someone else. Guided by the finger, that person should see the moon. If he looks at the finger instead and mistakes it for the moon, he loses not only the moon, but the finger also. Why? It is because he mistakes the pointing finger for the bright moon. And that's the problem with the conceptual world, a world where people are more loyal to the symbol of a thing than to the thing itself. And people think the finger pointing uh, is more important than, than what the finger is pointing at. I think we find this in a lot of ideologies and and religions, including perhaps especially in Buddhism. Now, somewhere in the layers of perceiving, of having experiences, having concepts or stories that arise out of the experience, and then the emotions that arise from the concepts, we get tired. We get exhausted of playing this game of seeking after more of what is pleasant and avoiding at all costs what is unpleasant. And the funny thing, well, perhaps the the sad thing, is that we go through life thinking that we're tired from our job, or I'm tired of this relationship, or uh, you know, i'm I'm exhausted because of the heavy experiences I'm dealing with, like the loss of a loved one or or something along those those lines. But in reality, it's all just our mind. You know, we get tired because we are living our lives conceptually, not experientially. And in doing so, we often end up missing both the finger and the moon. It's like we're locked up in the prison of our own conditioned mind. And the Buddha taught that ignorance is what causes us to confuse our conceptual reality with reality itself. And this ignorance makes us believe that our stories about ourselves, about others, or about life, that those are real, that the story is the real thing. And it's kind of like being asleep and having a a dream and thinking that the dream is real. You know, you'd have no reason to question the reality of the dream if you don't even know that you're asleep. So Buddhism teaches that the key to waking up is first recognizing that we're not awake, and then we can unlock the door of our conceptual prison through self-knowledge. And this is why Buddhism is is such a contemplative practice. It's, It's about, it's not about telling others what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Uh, it's entirely about looking inward and getting to know yourself. And, you know, when I hear like, oh, what what does Buddhism say about this or teach about that? That's often troubling to me because I, I think, well, here we are getting caught up in, in into the conceptualized form of Buddhism. Why would you want to know what Buddhism is telling you what you should think about this or that? You know, that's entirely irrelevant. If anything, Buddhism would say, Buddhism doesn't have a position on what on the Buddhist position. Um, as you as you get to know yourself, it's like turning on a light in a room that's been dark for so long. And I, I love this analogy. I've used it before talking about, you know, the idea of being in a dark barn and confusing uh, a coiled hose for a snake and seeing things as they really are, uh, can bring about a sense of radical okayness there's almost a relaxation or even a sense of humor that arises suddenly nothing could be better than just okay <laughs> I, I i can't believe i thought this coiled hose was a snake but the moment i realized oh it's not a snake it was just a coiled hose there's that sense of relaxation you know i you, you would probably at that point maybe laugh about it i can't believe i jumped up on the counter or how whatever your reaction was And I think so much of what we're experiencing in our day-to-day lives fits with this analogy. So to wake up, it's like turning on that light and seeing, oh, how funny that I've been chasing after this thing, thinking that the next job or more money or whatever the thing is you're chasing, you know, uh, that that was going to do anything. Some of you may be listening to this and thinking, well, wait a second, is this radical okayness similar to some kind of radical blandness? You know, with this kind of awakening, does life become more bland? And my answer, in my experience, the answer is absolutely not. I think life becomes more rich and vibrant when we experience a break from our habitual reactivity and our conceptual labeling of everything as either pleasant or unpleasant. You know, Suddenly we can see more clearly, we can think more clearly, and we're free to just feel and experience life. I think getting to know yourself is not easy. You know, it requires you to challenge and question one of the things that is closest to you, something that is deeply meaningful to you. That is the story you have of yourself, but it's totally liberating to finally be able to see yourself stripped of all the concepts and stories. The Buddha taught that the root cause of suffering is attachment or clinging In this case, when it comes to the story you have about yourself, perhaps it's skillful to ask yourself, why am I clinging to this story I have about myself? And sure, it's hard to do, but I can promise you that an incredible sense of relief and peace arises when you do. Your very freedom depends on letting go of your attachment to that story. Now, when I think of the Buddha sitting and meditating under the fig tree, that moment of his um, enlightenment or his awakening, I like to imagine that what he achieved is a sense of radical okayness, that life was radically okay. And others who saw this change in him started to call him the awakened one, the one who is awake. That's That's what the word Buddha means. And he went on to live for a long time after that, doing a lot of radically okay things. Uh, teaching these ideas and these concepts to others. And if you've ever experienced these glimpses or moments of feeling that awake, awakened sense, that uh, feeling like you can see past your own storylines, I'm sure you've also felt that sense of peace that comes with knowing that radical okayness is actually a phenomenal state. You know, I think with this shift, we start to develop a sense of of confidence in ourselves and in our ability to handle whatever Tetris pieces come our way. I like to think of it like a bird, you know, that comes and lands on a branch with all the confidence in the world, never having to stop and worry about whether or not it has enough faith in the strength of the branch to hold it. Right. That's entirely irrelevant because the bird has faith in its own ability to fly. It's faith in its own wings, whether the branch breaks or not, doesn't matter. If it breaks, it'll fly away to another branch. And that's the sort of confidence that I think we can develop as we go about walking on the path of life. You know, we no longer put our faith in the path itself, that the path is going to do what we think it needs to do, that it'll go this way or that it it won't get too steep going uphill, that it'll be a slight downhill. Like it, What we do is we start to develop uh, our faith and our ability to navigate the path, regardless of what the path looks like, regardless of whatever turns it may take, whether it's going uphill and it's steep or if it's going downhill, you know, as, as as we, I think as we approach the end of the year, we often look forward to the next year with goals and resolutions of how we want things to go, how we expect the path to twist and turn. Well, I'd like to invite you to add getting to know myself as uh, the top priority on your list. I cannot emphasize enough the importance of getting to know yourself and getting to know your own mind as the key to a more peaceful life, an awakened life like that modeled by the story of the Buddha. So I wanted to share this concept with you and this topic with you as we approach the end of the year. And uh, I hope that that you've enjoyed this. I hope it inspires you to want to get to know yourself. If you want to learn more about general Buddhism and, and mindfulness, you can check out my books, Secular Buddhism, uh, the second book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, and my most recent book, The 5-Minute Mindfulness Journal, which does a lot to help in this, com- in this task of getting to know yourself. Uh, You can learn about those books by visiting noahreschetta.com. That's N-O-A-H-R-A-S-H-E-T-A dot com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with others, write a review, give it a rating in iTunes. And if you'd like to join our online community, you can visit secularbuddhism.com forward slash community to learn more. And if you'd like to make a donation to support the work I'm doing with the podcast, please visit secularbuddhism.com and click on the donate button on the top right. Uh, That's all I have for now, but I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Thank you for listening. Until next time.